Welcome to the Equine Veterinary Journal Podcasts, On The Hoof. Hello, my name is Chris Neal and welcome to this edition of the Equine Veterinary Journal's On The Hoof Podcast, which we aim to summarise a selection of accepted early view articles awaiting print. Today we focus on a paper accepted in October 2020, that looked into the current practice of equine influenza vaccination by equine practitioners within the UK. The primary authors were Annie Wilson and Gina Pinchbeck, who were based at the Department of Equine Clinical Sciences at the University of Liverpool in the United Kingdom. Within the UK, it is estimated that only 30% of equines are currently vaccinated against equine influenza and tetanus. In 2019, 229 laboratory confirmed cases of equine influenza were reported, with concern expressed at the proportion of horses displaying clinical signs despite vaccination. There are a variety of perceived causes of vaccine failure, with individual vaccine hesitancy now reported as being one of the top 10 threats to global health by the World Health Organization. It has also been demonstrated in cats that non-compliance to published manufactured guidelines can result in clinical disease. In order to ascertain whether the UK is at further risk of an equine influenza outbreak, and understand the reasons for vaccine hesitancy, a cross-sectional survey of the UK equine veterinary industry's vaccination practice was performed, comparing it to manufacturers' data sheet recommendations. Various influences on veterinary surgeons' vaccination practice, including the recent 2019 outbreak, were recorded. An anonymised online questionnaire was distributed to Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons members at practices treating horses within the UK, running from November 2019 to February 2020. Eight sections were included. Consent, screening, demographics, vaccine choice, vaccine policy, adverse drug reactions, vaccine hesitancy and case examples. Descriptive analytics were applied to the responses, comparing them to the industry accepted manufacturer guidelines of each vaccine product. 304 veterinary surgeons replied, with 75% of respondents in equine-only practice, and just over half under 10 years graduated. By far the highest workload of the respondents was leisure and competition horses, with under half involved in stud and racehorse practice. As expected, the most common conditions vaccinated by vets in all horses included equine influenza, tetanus and equine herpes virus, types 1 and 4. 92% of vets stated that competition rules were the highest influence on their vaccine protocol, whilst 82% considered the datasheet recommendations when advising their clients. The most widely used vaccines were Aquilus frequenza, MSD, and Protec flu, Beringer. The most common reason influencing this choice was practice or corporate buying group influence. Only 3.6% of responses referenced the official OIE equine influenza clade guidelines which are met only by Protec flu, as influential. Following the influenza outbreaks in Australia and Argentina, a judicial inquiry highlighted the importance of adherence to these guidelines, which makes this finding concerning. However, it is noted that breakdowns can occur despite compliance, which makes influenza vaccination a multifactorial process. 25 different industry guidelines were stated by veterinary surgeons in the study, which show consistency between competition requirements rather than datasheet recommendations. When considering these datasheet recommendations, 89% of clinicians stuck to the recommended age of starting influenza vaccination from six months, 
However, 30% of clinicians recommended protocols that start in younger horses. Aquilis brachensa is licensed to be given from four months of age in foals with insufficient colostrum intake, which may have skewed this finding. It is known that foals starting vaccination at six months of age have significantly higher antibody levels after their third vaccination than those started at four months of age. This therefore may contribute to suboptimal immunity levels within the population. 42% of respondents recommended a second vaccination given between 21 to 92 days in all horses, regardless of competition status. This range is far greater than the four to six week datasheet recommendation, with only a third of vets recommending vaccination within this range. 62% then advised a further booster vaccination 150 to 215 days later, which again has a range far greater than the recommended datasheet interval of vaccination within five months or 150 days. In fact, only 7.7% of respondent replies were compliant with datasheet recommendations. It is known from previous studies that the more prolonged the vaccine interval, the greater the immunity gap, which further could contribute to suboptimal equine influenza immunity. Differing and involving vaccine technology may help address this concern. With reference to competition horses, only 10% of clinicians stated the datasheet recommended 14-day stand-down time following vaccination, with the majority reference specific discipline guidelines when making their decisions. Studies illustrate peak antibody levels are reached two to four weeks following vaccination, hence horses, especially of young or with inconsistent vaccination histories, may attend events with insufficient immunity. Concurrent vaccination with equine herpes virus, only used in 10% of competition horses during this study, can improve response to equine influenza vaccination and should be considered in high-risk groups. Over half of all respondents had witnessed an adverse vaccination reaction within the last 12 months. However, only 19% of the cases were reported, indicating significant underreporting within the industry. Vaccine improvements and modifications may therefore be delayed, which may contribute to the fact that 86% of vets witnessed a degree of vaccine hesitancy in the previous 12 months. The most common reasons for this being lack of awareness, mistrust of vets and pharmaceutical companies, previous adverse reaction and a perceived unnecessary need. With regards to study limitations, the significance of the equine influenza outbreak in early 2019 cannot be underestimated. Almost two-thirds of vets taking part in the study indicated they had permanently altered their protocols to include mandatory six-monthly vaccinations or a different vaccine brand or antigen, with 18% temporarily changing before going back to yearly vaccination. Furthermore, given it is a cross-sectional questionnaire, recall bias may reduce the accuracy of its results. Repeating the study in a more prospective manner may help alleviate these concerns. As would be expected, Vaccination against equine influenza is recommended by the vast majority of practitioners within the UK. However, a worryingly large amount of vets do not follow OIE recommendations or stick to datasheet guidelines from the second booster of vaccination onward. These gaps may cause suboptimal immunity and increase the risk of equine influenza outbreaks in competition horses in the future. Altered competition guidelines to provide more consistent information will go some way to reducing these risks and promoting equine welfare in the future. That concludes a review of this study, and many thanks for listening to this edition of the Equine Veterinary Journal's On The Hoof podcast. We look forward to welcoming you back soon when we review another of the journal's early access articles.
Thank you for listening to this Equine Veterinary Channel podcast. More about the subjects discussed today can be found online at wileyonlinelibrary.com forward slash journal forward slash evj.